Exton Moss Experiment. Adventures in Wine and Space with Simon Exton and Ken Moss. Hello everyone and a very warm welcome to our third anniversary special of the Extamos Experiment. Yes, we are three years old today. I'm Ken Moss. I'm Simon Exton. What are we watching? Well, we're going to watch a classic of BBC science fiction from the 1960s. We are going to watch the joyous Adam Adamant Lives. A knight in white armor, cold as a shot from a gun. If you should look for a man who loves danger, to whom love is a stranger, this man is the one. What's this about? About 50 minutes. In a nutshell, Edwardian adventurer is frozen for 60-odd years, wakes up in the 1960s, and fights crime. It's got all the makings of a classic. It's a TV programme I absolutely love. Way back when I was a baby, baby telefantasy fan, um, and discovering the joys of time screen. The first issue I got, which I think was about issue three or four, did an article on an episode of Adam Adamant Lives called Black Echo, which is a wonderful episode we will be covering in mm. this. That's from the second season. Isn't it? For a long time, it was the only surviving episode from the second season. Mm. There has been another one recovered since. Actually got quite a good survivability. Only one missing episode from the first season. Only two surviving episodes from the second season. But the first one is generally better regarded than the second. Before we do all that, we need a drink. It's time to get out the tonic screwdriver. Tonight we are drinking Brockman's Intensely Smooth Premium Gin. It's 40% and the info bollock says, A unique blend of botanicals with subtle notes of berry give an intensely smooth taste to this beautifully made gin. I mean, if it smells anything to go by, these are not subtle notes of berry. Actually, coming out of the glass, it smells like cough syrup, cough mix from a kid. Covonia! No, no. (laughs) It's not Benelin, is it? Panadol. Oh, it tastes like it. I don't like that. It's a bit bitter. You can taste the berries. It's too artificial. Uh, Yeah, it's a very artificial flavour. I'm not not keen. It's got a bit of a... A bit of a bitter aftertaste as well, not a particularly nice one. Yeah, it is. It's 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 bitter and medicinal. Um, years ago, I don't know whether they still do it. Panadol used to do a liquid form, and it was this vile purple liquid. It tastes and smells like that, and because of association, I can't drink that. That's horrible for me. I think it's okay. I wouldn't really thank you for another one, but I don't. I don't mind having it. Um, it's a one from me. I'm afraid to say three. I think it's mine's probably by association, though. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Well, um, I'll let you grab your glass. I'll leave mine here and we'll go into the undergallery and open up the Black Archive. Because I'm as well-researched as ever, I've looked on Wikipedia and, of course, there are missing episodes of Adam Adamant. Uh, including, which I suspect that you were going to slate as well. Oh, you mean pilot? Yes. I wasn't, but feel free. Well, I'll have all the missing episodes back because I don't like gaps. 
But there, there was an untransmitted pilot as well. You know the history of this better. There's a reason why it was untransmitted, wasn't it? Yes, it's because they replaced the actress playing Georgina. Do we know who it was before? Uh, I'm sure the information is available online. Um, and there, I think there are a couple of photos of her in the role. They just felt she wasn't right for the part. Mm. Yeah, it does happen. But this was um, considered... <laughs> by some people what Doctor Who did next because several of the production team were involved with Doctor Who Sidney Newman and Verity Lambert were involved in the creation and Donald Cotton did a lot of writing and script editing actually nothing to do with Doctor Who but um, Ridley Scott during his time as BBC staff director um, directed a couple of episodes I'm, fa- I'm fairly sure in the mists of time I've read somewhere Ridley Scott was down to direct uh, in 1963, I'm fairly sure uh, he never did. He was never involved with Doctor Who at all. But that was—I'm I'm sure he almost had a brush with it. See, I thought he only spent a year or two as a BBC staff director and then went to Hollywood. I could be wrong. And seeing as this was 66, 63 would have been before his time. But it might have been because he went through the, B, the BBC director's training school, didn't he? Mm. I mean, he, he might have shadowed somebody on. Doctor Who. Who I'm fairly sure I've seen his name connected at some point. What are you going to rescue? Well, I'm going to rescue another classic piece of mostly missing BBC 60s sci-fi. I'm going to rescue Afer Andromeda. Afer Andromeda was a very intelligent and insightful story written by the then Astronomer Royal Sir Fred Hoyle, uh, along with John Elliot, his, his co-writer about the discovery of a signal coming from um, from the Andromeda galaxy. And when they interpret the signal, they realise that it's a blueprint for a computer. So they build the computer. The computer teaches them how to do things like create medicines, um, improve their radar system, and how to build a creature. The creature goes through a couple of different iterations, but eventually they build a person who's played by Julie Christie in her first starring role. It's a very intelligent piece of science fiction and the kind of level of intelligence that we don't often see Mm. in 60s TV sci-fi. Very interesting storyline, which was nicked quite massively by Carl Sagan for Contact. I'm not familiar with it. You know who Carl Sagan is? Yes. Right, he wrote a novel called Contact. It was made into a film with Jodie Foster. And it's about receiving a signal from the stars and building a machine right. that goes to... Uh, say, all of the clever bit of Contact is A for Andromeda. There's a subplot in A for Andromeda that is all about multinational business getting involved, whereas an equivalent subplot in Contact is all about interference from organised religion. But the the clever science fiction bits are... Stolen. Inspired by. So I'd like Avon Andromeda back, please. Excellent. Um, fortunately, the sequel uh, exists in its entirety, and we can do that at some point. Is that the Andromeda Strain? No, that was a completely different thing by Michael Crichton years later. It's the Andromeda Breakthrough. We educate and entertain and inform on this podcast. God, that gin's not sitting right. Cavonia! Yeah, it's left an oily slick. I don't think it was that bad. I don't oh. think it's that bad, to be honest. Here we are, back in the viewing room, and it's time for episode one of Adam Adamant Lives. It's and called A Vintage Year for Scoundrels. At last. Yes. yes, at last. I always suspected there was one man behind everything. 
At last I've come face to face with you. A privilege granted to no other man and granted to you too late. Now I have you and I intend to keep you. I'm not an easy man to cage. A cage would be too good for you. Then kill me. That would be too good for you also. During the last few years, you have caused embarrassment, Mr. Adamant. Considerable pain. You will not do so again. Now I am free to continue with my plans to weaken the world little by little until it is in a state of utter chaos. You fiend. The premise it uh, starts off in 1902, and there's an Edwardian adventurer by the name of Adam Adamant who... Is basically a, a secret agent um, working for the Crown. And he and his girlfriend slash fiancée, Louise, who, although he says he can't marry her because it would be a, a weakness of him and she could be used to manipulate him. They're at a party at Windsor Castle and he foils a, an assassination attempt on the king. And talking to one of his other guests, he... Um, puts forward a theory that all the things that have happened around the world and all the disruptions, so the Crimean War and the Franco-Prussian War and all of that, are down to the manipulations of one man. And that's who he thinks sent these assassins. Sounds a little bit paranoid to blame all that on one man. But anyway, mm. as he's um, coming out with this and his friend is politely listening, he gets a message from Louise to come to a particular address. So he goes there and sees her being dragged through this old cobwebby house by some sort of uncouth ruffian. Ruffian. And chasing her up to the top of the house, uh, she's dragged behind a door which is locked. And so Adam breaks the door down, finds that it's a trap, falls into a, um, a suspended net, and gets to meet the guy who's behind all of the stuff that's going on. Nefarious deeds. Yours. And also finds out that uh, Louise is in league with him and has lured him here. And their plan is to put him in suspended animation, encase, encase him in a block of ice and... Keep him buried in the in the cellar of the house, which all sounds all unnecessarily complicated. Mm. But he's very sort of Victorian Edwardian moustache twirling mm. villain, um, which is what we're looking at. Switch to 1966. Um, the block of ice is discovered when the house is being knocked down and is melted out of it, taken to a local hospital, where he's really quite disoriented. Thinks that he's been kidnapped by enemies of the crown, so escapes from the hospital. And then there's a sequence where he's wandering around central London, really not sure what's going on, quite disoriented. He's followed from the hospital by a young girl who turns out to be the girl who's going to be his assistant, Georgina Jones, whose grandfather had met Adam Adamant and was, uh, was always talking about him. So she knows who he is and believes who, she, who he is. She works in a local disco as DJ, I suppose. Yes, I think so, yeah. And it's owned by this old fella who's paying protection money to a local gangster called Margot Kane. And she's demanding more money. He refuses to give it. So um, one of her ruffians, Couth. uncouth, Slow stabs him in the belly. Georgina finds him, is very upset by this, and agrees to talk to the police. Margot gets word of the fact that she's going to talk to the police, uh, comes around to the, the flat and warns her. And meets up with Adam, who's in a fairly debilitated state, having kipped for 60 odd years. Yes. So during the, the day, the next day, Adam offers oh, a very basic version of a training montage, doesn't he? Involving lifting uh, up chairs. Lifting a chair and, yeah. uh, and stabbing a, a maquette, a, a, a mannequin. Yeah. And then 
Margot turns up, uh, realises that Georgina has been to the police station and so she's going to have to be killed for that. And the, the way they'll do it is that they'll gas them both. It will be made to look as though Adam has murdered Georgina and then taken his own life. But while they're gassing them, Adam's able to turn off the gas, uh, smash open a window, so let the gas out, out of the apartment. An hour later, Margot comes back with two of her henchmen. Adam is able to fight off the, the henchmen, but Margot escapes up a fire escape, followed by Georgina. Adam follows the two of them, finds Georgina on the edge of the building, sort of almost being pushed off by Margot. There's a bit of a tussle. Uh, Georgina is rescued. Margot falls off the top of the building. End of episode. I must away now, George. Our lives are far too different. I must go to find my destiny, you must find yours, and hopefully grow into a better woman. Farewell. It would be hammy if it wasn't played by such a good actor. I really like that. The print is beautiful. Yeah, it is. It's a beautiful... Absolutely gorgeous. When Sue Meldon did her archive thing, all of the film transmission prints for the series had been kept... That was all but two episodes of the first season and Black Echo from the second season. Mm. When the Ice Warriors were discovered at Villiers' house, those four episodes, the fifth can that was there was another episode of season one, Adam Adamant. And then there's been another, there's been an episode from season two recovered Oh, years ago, but I can't remember where from. I think it might have been a private collector. May even have been the collector that had the recovered episode of... A friend dropped her. Mm. But I'm not 100% sure about that. But there, there have been two episode recoveries around Adam Adamant. So it's, it's got a good survivability and a good recovery rate. So there's, there's more than half of it existing, which is marvellous. Well, I've got to say, um, based on that first episode, I have seen this before. Uh, I can't remember why, but it was on BBC Four one night as part of a themed night. So I've, I remember vividly seeing that one before. I don't think I've seen any of the others. That was a refilmed episode. So what do you think? Because I've seen this loads of times. Well, I loved that. I absolutely adored that. That I was... It's a great story. I mean, or actually I say that. It's a great setup episode as yeah. a first episode. It tries to capture some of the popularity of the Avengers, um, which at this point would have been sort of the, the heyday with Diana Rigg. And each episode has sort of weird and quirky things going on. This is very mundane by comparison. Mm. Well, it, it is, like I said, very much a setup episode. Um, it doesn't resolve everything, I was happy to note. Um, and also, the third regular isn't introduced yet. Um, that is his butler, Sims, I think his name is. He's played by Jack May. And he's introduced in episode two. Well, would you mind if we watched episode two? I'd quite like no, to because it's not very good. Oh, okay. So, what we're going to watch next is the first episode that I... It's one of the early episodes I, I saw of it called The Sweet Smell of Disaster. It sounds charming. Run, VT. Entertain us. What the devil do you mean by putting out these revolting objects? It wasn't me, sir. Miss Jones bought the soap powder. Soap powder? The new detergent. Cloud 7. And they have giveaway flowers. Do you mean to say you bought all these packets? Hmm, for your shirts. I didn't know she was getting them, sir. Soap and a washboard's quite good enough for me. But it's antediluvian. You should have a washing machine, a spin dryer. You can get them on the higher purchase. The point at issue is why on earth you purchased all these packets all at one time? There's the flowers. Blue carnations revolting. Send me. And everyone I know thinks they're a great gas. Gas? Do these flowers contain gas? Oh, no, they've got a really fab perfume. There's nothing disgusting about them at all. I wasn't referring to the odour, Miss Jones, but to the odious idea of imitation flowers, whether they're made of paper or this, this ghastly, mushy substance. Plastic, sir. 
plastic? Everything's made of it nowadays. Really? There was a young fellow from Rill who swallowed a new plastic pill. He changed overnight to a terrible sight. And now he's a lily called Bill. Is that on the spur of the moment, Sim? Oh, yes, sir. I thought as much. Right, that was The Sweet Smell of Disaster, which is a more typical episode. It's... Typical? Typical, you say? (laughs) (laughs) Calm down, Enoch. It's it's more typical of the run in that it's a kind of Avengers-y style, slightly ridiculous plot. In this case, a company that manufactures detergent has got hold of a secret formula from a research chemist who had worked during the war on some kind of mind control drug thing. It's a very addictive drug, basically. So as part of their advertising campaign for their most recent product, they include promotional carnations which have this ascent with this drug in. So the, the country is getting more and more addicted to these free flowers, including Sims and Georgie. Adam Adamant doesn't approve of plastic flowers, so doesn't ever smell one of them, so doesn't get addicted. He, In fact, he's so incensed that he storms off to the company that makes them yes. immediately. Well, it's yeah. flimsiest. <laughs> he, he does, and, and, and meets the managing director and has a bit of a barney with him, um, and then immediately goes and sees the government, who say, we can't, do, we can't do anything about that. So he goes back to the manufacturers at night. In the meantime, he's locked Miss, Miss Jones in a cupboard because she's addicted and she tricks her way out. Possibly one of the few crime dramas where half of it's set at a sales conference. A sales conference for salt powder. So at, at the sales conference, um, Kingsley, who's the, the managing director, says they're going to withdraw all supplies of this Cloud 7 and then in a few days' time open up Cloud 7 centres, which will be the only place that people can basically get their fix. So he will take over control of the country by drugging the population, basically. And Georgina has taken on a job as a sales girl, so she's there in an incredibly flimsy costume. Mm-hmm. Um, Adam is there as a sales representative or something. He's never entirely sure, never entirely made clear why he's there other than just he turns up and thinks he should be. They get captured and locked in a little room with a whole load of samples of the soap powder. They set off the, the fire sprinklers and so produce a whole load of soap suds in the room. And uh, Kingsley and his accomplice, who's his advertising director, played by Adrienne Corrie, who's another woman that is in on the plot and Adam refuses to, be, to believe it. Anyway, there's, there's this very fun-looking fight in waist-high soap suds between the, the four main yes. characters. And... They're probably having a whale of a time. They look doing. like they're having enormous fun. It, it looks so, very Jeux yeah. Frontier. Yes, it does. Uh, either that or Fury from the Deep. Oh, Seeds of Death. Oh, yeah, there's foam in that as well, isn't there? Yeah. They're like the foam parties in the 60s. Managing director gets shot off screen. Um, Adam and Georgina take the formula for the antidote to the addiction and walk out. End of episode. I think that's a really fun episode. It was right at the beginning when he flounces off absolutely incensed that there's a company out there making plastic flowers and he's uh, that's the the sole hook for the episode. I really enjoyed that. I think that these are great. They're really well produced. The film prints are in lovely condition. Well, I think these ones that we're watching were the original transmission mm. prints. So it's not multiple copies down the line and it's not telerecordings. Oh... Can you imagine if we had 1966 Doctor Who in that quality? Well, bear in mind, this will probably just have been 
spat out on DVD without any real restoration. I'm not sure it was back in the in, in the days of the restoration team. And as well as the Doctor Who, they tended to take lead on the the vintage science fiction stuff. So this, what else would they put out about that time? Um, Quotemass Experiment. Hmm. The A for Andromeda. But either way, it's in lovely condition. And yes, if only Doctor Who had been done on film. Power of the Daleks yes. looking at that, in that quality. Uh, but I am really enjoying it. I think that the, the theme uh, song is very, very James Bond, Shirley Bassey. Who did you say it's by? Kathy Kathy Kirby. Kirby. Who I can't say that I know. She was a reasonably well-known pop star in the 60s. She did represent us at the Eurovision Song Contest in the 60s and didn't win. I can't remember what she did. We can look on on YouTube. Maybe some other time, preferably after I'm dead. You have no joy in yourself. No. Would you like another one? I would like another one. How about we watch one of the episodes, as we've mentioned it, directed by Ridley Scott. Yes, I think that's a good idea. What we're going to watch now is The League of Uncharitable Ladies. I'm in charge of the cloakroom. Miss Jones. And it's initiation night. It could be interesting. I expressly told you not to come here. You could be in severe danger. You'd say the park swings were dangerous for me just to keep me out of the way. Well, I'm honourably employed. There's nothing you can do about it. There's a dreadful servant shortage, you know. I must ask you to leave at once. No, I've already found certain things out. Whatever you have found out, Miss Jones, can only put you in severe jeopardy. These people are very, very ruthless. I've seen the membership book. If I don't know all the faces, I certainly know all the names. They're in the papers all the time. Top people. Wives of top people, anyway. That was the episode of The League of Uncharitable Ladies. And again, it's a bit quirky in 60s. It starts off with somebody walking through a park and giving a charitable, a charitable donation to a couple of women who are collecting for something, and they stab him with a pin on a collection flag. Adam goes to see one of his contacts in the government who says that there have been a number of mysterious deaths of important people with no obvious connections between them over the last several weeks. And also he's received an invitation to his own death at 10 o'clock that night. The only clue they have is that the previous death of an important person was this fellow who was walking through the park and the only clue they have is the charity flag. And they find out that the, uh, the flag is belonging to a, a charitable women's club that is based in a building of an old club that Adam used to be a member of. So he goes along there and blags his way in saying, I used to be a, a member of this club, I want to have a little look around, meets the three women who run it, Faith, Hope and Charity. And they seem quite nice and dotty and little old ladies. Women's Institute. Yes. And they also have a turty piece that runs around after them called Prudence. Yes. Isn't it? The pretty brunette, not the tarty piece. As the episode goes, goes on, I think my description is better. Might be. Yeah. Um, who tries to seduce Adam on a number of occasions and fails. There's also a butler who's very aloof and superior. As Adam's having his guided tour, he finds out that there's an initiation room within an initiation ceremony for the members who become full members. And nobody really seems to know what that means. Georgina, in the meantime, has got herself a job working in the cloakroom, befriends somebody who is about to become a full member and tries to get a look at the initiation ceremony. When we see the initiation ceremony... It's a brainwashing mind control thing. And they, uh, the women 
who are becoming full members are being used to as assassins to uh, to kill their husbands, all under the control of the butler who is using the uh, Faith, Hope and Charity's desire to improve the world by bumping off people that they feel are a danger to world peace, but are actually effectively assassins for hire, controlled by this butler. Big chase ensues through the club. Uh, Georgina is chased by a number of ladies who've just been initiated into full membership and locks herself in a room, um, sort of fakes up a body in the bed, which they then stab and think that they've killed. Uh, Adam takes out the the butler who is the one who is in charge of running the assassinations as a racket. Exit Adam and Georgina. That is one running theme I've noticed with these episodes. That big climactic fight scene of sorts and and then they just just walk off. off. And let other people deal with it. Um, Well, this would have been around the same time as the Avengers series 4. And the final sequence of the Avengers series four was Steve and Mrs. Peel leaving in some sort of vehicle. And it, it might be a moped or a bus or a hay truck or hmm. all sorts of weird and wonderful stuff. So there's probably an attempt to produce that level of continuity. The big difference between this, or one of the big differences between this and the Avengers, is that with the Avengers, it's very much a partnership of equals. And Steed and Mrs. Peel or Steed and Kathy Gale or Steed and Tara King go in and investigate together. Whereas with this, Adam is trying to keep Georgina out of it and keep her safe. But she ignores that and blunders in anyway. So what did you think of the episode? I enjoyed it as much as all the others. Um, It's, as with a lot of television from this period, you see a lot of people in them that you know, but from later things. In this one, it happened to be... uh, Snake Dance. Yeah. Ambril. Ambril, that's it. From Doctor Who Snake Dance. A lot does look back to Doctor Who. Funny that. Funny. The stories are, on the whole, pretty good, actually. There might be a little bit of a an element of silly whimsy about them, but they are they're quite fun. compelling and fun. They're yeah. fun and they're entertaining. It's a really nice little series. I've been meaning to do this for ages and ages, and other things have taken over priority. But we do have one more in the calendar, we? do. We? Uh, Black Echo, which was originally the only surviving episode of the second series. It's now one of only two. It was the first one that I heard of. Um, it was the first episode that I read a Time Screen article on. I think it might have been the first episode I saw at a um, BFI event, but I can't swear to that. That's a very good episode. So shall we finish off with Black Echo? It seems reasonable. Run VT. We have heard of your amazing experience, but you look incredibly well... Well preserved. Ah, I hope I don't offend you. Not at all, madam. Not at all. You know, there is such a feeling of Russia in this room. That stove, for instance, it's so beautiful, isn't it? And so reminiscent of so many things. My grandmother had them installed throughout the house. She is well. I am to meet her, am I? You do not think you could come to this house and live without her seeing Uh, you, do you, Mr. Adamant? Sergei is bringing her up now. I must confess to feeling a trifle nervous myself. Indeed, madam. This meeting will not be easy for either of us. I am prepared, I assure you. But she is a very old woman, Mr. Adams. And you are a friend from so long ago and unchanged. Grandmama, you have a visitor. I can see that, child. To my mind, this is the best of the surviving episodes. It starts off with a delivery driver making a delivery of fuel oil to a a country house. 
wants to have a cigarette, so he nips into a, a door in the house and sees something that makes him absolutely terrified and run away. And this gets reported in the local papers. Adam is called to the Bank of England because they want him to interview a woman who is claiming to be the heir to the Russian throne, a woman called the, the Grand Duchess Vorokov, who Adam had been friends with before he was frozen. And he and Louise had visited her in St. Petersburg in 1901, and then he was frozen in 1902. So the idea being that he would be able to tell whether this woman who was claiming to be the Grand Duchess Vorokov was actually a, a genuine claimant. And Adam initially isn't prepared to do this because he, he says, this is a very old lady, it's going to be a big shock to her seeing somebody from, from her past and I'm not, I'm not prepared to do it for mere money. And then he sees a picture of her as she is now, notices that she's wearing a brooch that belonged to Louise. So he agrees to go and see her. Uh, and at the same time, tells Georgina, under no circumstances is she to go investigating at all. So, of course, she takes no notice of that whatsoever. Goes to the community hospital where the delivery driver has been taken, whose hair has now t- turned white with shock. Adam goes to, to visit the Grand Duchess, meets her granddaughter, Irena, who looks very similar to the original Grand Duchess. And then meets the Grand Duchess herself. And there, there's a, a, an obvious spark of recollection. Mm. And they're able to share a lot of memories of his visit to St. Petersburg. And he leaves and agrees to come back the next day. Georgina is investigating the house and finds an underground crypt with a, um, a sarcophagus. Irena captures her there and explains that the sarcophagus contains the man in the mask from 1902, who'd put Adam in for, uh, to be frozen and then froze himself so that he could he could wake up later on and, and continue his dastardly plans. Mm. Adam goes back to London and looks at a whole load of newspaper articles and, and photos and realises that the brooch that the Grand Duchess is wearing was a one-off that Louise had. And actually, the simplest explanation is that this isn't the Grand Duchess, this is Louise. So he goes back to the house with the bankers from the the Bank of England, having told Sims to keep Georgina occupied. Sims calls Adam uh, and says he's not been able to find Georgina, so Adam works out that she's gone to the house and has been captured. He gets to the house. Irena isn't there, but the Grand Duchess, or Louise, is. Sits down with her and the bankers and then decides that he, he needs to go and find Georgina, who's upstairs tied up to a bed being guarded by two Russians, which Adam has the customary sword fight, and one of them is using a quarterstaff for some reason. Um, it seems a little bit old-fashioned. The other one uses a whip. Um, but anyway, he defeats those, rescues Georgina, goes back to the, the sitting room where Louise is with the two bankers, and basically says, there's nothing for you here, tells the bankers to, to get out, tells Georgina to get out, and goes with Louise into the crypt where the um, the freezing apparatus in the face is. Louise admits who she is, so says that she's only looking old so that they can, they can get the money and that the face has promised that she will have her youth and beauty back. So they go down to the crypt, discover that the, the face is gone and the sarcophagus is empty. And then Louise sees that there's a hypodermic syringe left and she's convinced that this is a serum that will give her back her youth so that she can rejoin the face. So she injects this and she says that she can feel warmth going through her body and she can feel that the lines coming out of her face. And she's, she's saying to Adam, am I getting younger? Am I getting more beautiful? And he's floods of tears and saying, yes, you are. You're, um, you are as beautiful as you ever were. 
And she reaches out towards him and sees her hands and realises that she isn't getting any younger um, and that Adam is telling her what she wants to hear. So she screams and collapses and then dies. End of episode. episode ends. That was fantastic. I, I love that episode. I think it's wonderful. It is creepy and emotional and the scenes between Gerald Harper and Gladys Cooper, who plays Louise, are just Phenomenal. Are you Greeking? No, I'm not. I just, I, I think that that was, uh, that would have been a very easy episode two of series one. His nemesis had also been frozen in time. They've waited until series two. They've clearly had a good full series to investigate the yeah. quirk of this Edwardian adventurer, or Victorian, according to the DVD manuscript, which is not But 1902 true. is not Victorian. It's Edwardian. So they've, they've clearly run with this over a series, and the ones that we've seen I've just thought were brilliant. And they're all that good. It is fun and quirky. Actually, I think about the weakest of the lot. Uh, episode two it is a bit weak. It's all set in Blackpool. And I don't particularly dislike Blackpool. Blackpool? Blackpool. Right. It, it's about a plot to blow up the Illuminations. It's quite fun, but it's not It's not one of the best episodes. And a sinister sort of service where Adam has his 100th birthday, which is the other surviving episode from season two. It's okay, but it's not great. Because I'm assuming that after Black Echo, the face becomes a recurring character. Yes. I know we don't... We can't usually, see it, usually working through intermediaries. Hmm. But that was... I mean, it was I heartbreaking. Don't, I, don't think, I don't think Irena comes back. Well, it was heartbreaking because... Uh, the very first episode, he is betrayed by the woman he is desperately in love with. And then, you know, he meets her 60-odd years later. But to him, it's only a, a, couple, few, you know, a, a few, few weeks or months or Months or, or whatever. He's clearly still in love with her. She's callous about it, that she is... Uh, she belongs to the face, as she mm. puts it. She belongs to him. And even though she's still betraying him, she's still being horrible to him... He's still clearly in love with her and then watches her die and then carries her lifeless body. And he's still the complete gentleman about it. Yeah. That was quite emotionally heart-rending, that. I've got to... And the, the scenes between Adam and Louise in this are fantastic. They are. They, they are yeah, absolutely phenomenal. The, the sets look beautiful. They, um, there's a lot of aerial shots. There are... This, well, the very last shot is um, a high shot uh, watching Adam carry Louise through the crypt. But there, there were quite a few high shots in the scenes in the crypt and also a few high shots in the scenes in the sitting room. And, which took some doing in these days, a split screen shot when they were having a phone call. Yeah. So all in all, that was wonderful. That's the best of the four we've watched today. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I wanted to do four. I know we normally do three. But I wanted to do four, so we have the introduction. We've got a couple to see what they're normally like, mm. and they're, they're quirky and, and a bit tongue-in-cheek, and then finish off with Black Echo. Because by the time we get to Black Echo, you've got used to the characters. Mm. You know Adam, you know Georgina, you know the backstory with Louise. But on the back of that, I'd like to see the entire lot. So am I leaving you the disc? If you wouldn't mind. Yeah. It's very rare, because I enjoy most things that you bring to these sessions. But it's very rare that I actually actively want to see the rest of the series. The Avengers is one. I do want to see all the Avengers. I think that they're, they've piqued my interest. Other things, I wish I'd not even seen what we've seen. Corridor people, obviously. Curry and chips, which oh, we've God. done this recording session. 
Absolutely. That's one of the worst things I've ever seen. That was a slog sitting through 25 minutes of that. And when we watched that, I realised that I'd not actually managed to cope with an entire episode of it before. I think I got to the ad break and decided I, I couldn't cope with any more. I think curry and chips has become my new nadir. Oh, wait till we do Hal Honey, I'm home. Which, to be fair, I've never seen, so I don't know how bad it is, but I can't imagine A sitcom good. around the home life of the Hitlers. What could possibly go wrong? Uh, but on that note, boys and girls, Adam Adamant lives... I know that Big Finish have reimagined this. They have, and it's bloody awful. Because they're trying to do a modern look back, tongue-in-cheek, 2020 look at the silly 1960s. And it's just dreadful. Oh, so he's a 1960s Frozen in Time reawakened. No, no, no. It's still the 1960s. But rather, this is very 60s of the time 60s. And there are other episodes. Um, there's one at a fashion show. There's one all around 60s pop music. But it, it's very in keeping with the the 60s. The big finish reimagining is, oh, well, yes, the 60s were fun, but we're so much more sophisticated now. And we're, we we can write all this, this clever postmodern stuff. And I'm sure clever postmodern stuff could be written, but that isn't what they've done. Have a listen to it. Don't expect much. Missy is better. But Missy was dire. Yes, I'm aware of this. Anyway, I'll stick with the DVDs. This this is one of the best things we've ever watched on, on one of these sessions. I've I, really, I really love enjoyed this. this. I absolutely love this. this. This has been on the list since the word go. Highly recommended, boys and girls. Hunt it down. Don't be tempted to leap into Black Echo first. Get used to the characters before you go with it. Oh, I, absolutely. Um, it's the equivalent of, to use a big Finnish analogy, it's the equivalent of them not using the Daleks until the seven stories in. It would have been very easy for Big Finish to steam straight in, we've got the Daleks, we'll use them in story two or whatever. It would have been very easy for this series to have, ah, the face has also been frozen in time in episode two, and he's going to be the recurring nemesis. But they haven't. It's, it's sort of a... They wait until the second season. And... and yeah. And it may well be there was never any intention to bring the face back. And then whoever wrote Black Echo put that forward and the producer, so it would have been very, very chillin', but read that and go, oh, that's good. So there's all sorts of, uh, a scant look at the internet suggests that either it was cancelled or a third season was planned, but it it wasn't put into production because either the ratings and popularity was quite low mm. and the Avengers have come along and, and did this sort of thing better. And or there was a, a clash between Sidney Newman and the lead actor, Gerald... Gerald Harper. Yeah. I really don't know. that. I really love this series. It's such a shame there's only two series of it and we don't have most of it. So, yeah. We've got more than half. I know we've got more than it, half. It, it, for a 60s show, it's got a really good survivability. Uh, but if, if Philip Morris could dig those up, that, that'd be bloody marvellous. The one thing I will say, the last thing I'll say, there's a big drop in picture and sound quality. In Black Echo. Yeah, yeah in Black Echo. Uh, in fact, a lot of the faces' dialogue is actually quite inaudible. Mm. And uh, what I think that demonstrates is just how good the quality of the first series prints are. Yes. Uh, I mean, that was the first thing we said when we started watching Vintage Shift Scoundrels just how good mm. the nick of the, um, the prints were. So there we are. That was Adam Adamant Lives, our celebratory episode for three years of podcasting. 
Yes, it was marvellous. And I knew how good Black Echo was. I didn't expect it to make you Greek. Almost, almost. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed that. I loved it. It's well worth hunting down, everyone. Of 60s science fiction, fantasy, whatever you want to peg it as, that's a, a bloody good example. I'd heartily recommend that. But to any of you that have stuck with us all three years, we're very grateful that you have. To those all those millions of you that have come on board uh, since we've started, I hope that we continue to entertain you. We'll be back soon with something equally whimsical. Thank you very much, everyone. Bye now. The Exton Moss Experiment featured Simon Exton and Ken Moss. Title music was performed by the BBC Symphony Orchestra. All featured television soundtracks are the property of their respective producers and no infringement of copyright is intended. The programme was recorded in Rishton, Lancashire and produced by Maverick Productions. For more information, please visit maverickproductionsuk.blogspot.com or find us on social media.